0: There are two readings. The first is from the Beatitudes, Matthew five, verse five, and the second is from Psalm thirty seven, verses one to eleven. So Matthew five five Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the plants, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be
1: to God. Let's pray for God's help as we look at this um, passage together tonight. Let's pray. Father, it can be hard to understand our hearts, to read them rightly, and we pray tonight that where we need to be challenged, that you would challenge us, where we need to be encouraged and supported, you would support us. And we pray most of all tonight that you would help us to delight ourselves afresh in all that Christ has done for us, and we pray this for your glory. Amen. At school, the one class that I dreaded most was my Latin class. Now, I know some of you love Latin, and I don't mean to be too rude or harsh, but my uh, lack of enthusiasm for Latin was only matched by my lack of skill for it, and I used to dread every hour I spent. At One term, the teacher set us uh, a number of challenges— Uh, He would write up an English sentence on the board and he would ask us to translate it into Latin, um, to write down our translation in our books. And then the first person to come forward to his desk with the right translation would win some sort of prize. And this happened week after week after week. And I was nowhere. I had no idea. I used to sit around looking at the roof and the windows and I, I had no idea. Until one day, I realized I was sitting next to the class genius And this class genius was also rather shy and he didn't tend to put himself forward and he didn't like to hog the limelight and every week he would, quick as a flash, write down the right sentence in Latin, perfect, but he would sit there quietly doing nothing about it. And so I realized that I could just glance over his shoulder, see his sentence, quickly copy it down and run forward to the front and guess what? Every week I won from that point onwards. At the end of that term, report times, I got an A. And not just an A, but a a plus circle for effort. It was the pinnacle of my Latin career. The moral of the story, if you put yourself forward, if you step up, you'll win. The one who holds back, the one who is shy, the one who doesn't put themselves forward, well, they miss out. They lose on the credit and the glory I should say, just in case you're really worried, that my sins did catch me out. Uh, the next term, the teachers swapped the seating plan around, and the class dean was way over on the other side of the room, and my marks plummeted to a C-minus circle. But that silly story sounds a note which runs through our society, does it not? If you want success in life, if you want to be someone, you need to push yourself forward. You need to be right. You need to be better than others. If you don't, you will fail. You will miss out. Think of the TV show, The Apprentice. Now, I know the applicants are kind of asked to overplay the point. But as they're interviewed and as they come across on the TV screens, obviously the, the message is clear. You, you have to push yourself forward to, prom- to promote yourself, to put your best side forward. You have to brag about your achievements and your abilities and you have to step forward by stepping on others to stand out from the crowd or think of the great mantra of evolutionary theory the survival of the fittest surely a mantra which has seeped its way into our society at every level well what does jesus think what does he think about how to live a successful life well, very simply, he says if you make self promotion, self success, self progression the ultimate goal, you will ultimately gain nothing and lose everything. For he says in Matthew 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is a hugely countercultural thing to say. The very people that we would expect to be at the back of the queue in life, we're told, will be right at the front of the queue. So why does Jesus say this? Why are the meek blessed? Why are they the ones who will inherit the world? And this is no academic question, for I don't think Matthew 5 is a metaphor or hyperbole. At stake here is the world. Jesus is talking about the perfected earth, the the new creation, the, the future that lies before us. And he is saying, the ones who will inherit this are the ones who are meek. I should say at this point that in the scriptures, meekness is not weakness. It is not spineless indecision. It does not mean being a doormat for others. Jesus himself was described as being a meek person, but uh, try asking a Pharisee or a temple trader if Jesus was weak or spineless, and they would say certainly not. Uh, nor is meekness simply being a nice person with a nice, pleasant, sunny personality. So, what is biblical meekness? Scripture doesn't give us a neat, tidy definition anywhere. There's not one verse that tells us exactly what the word means. But I think what's really helpful for us tonight is that the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 are almost certainly a direct reference back to Psalm 37 that Jeremy read for us tonight. And in that Psalm, I think we find out a bit more about what the meek person looks like. So let's flick back to Psalm 37, if you've closed your Bibles, on page uh, 563 in the church Bibles. And the first thing I want us to see about biblical meekness is that it is an attitude towards God. Glance down with me at uh, verse 11 of Psalm 37. And David writes, But the meek will inherit the land. And enjoy great peace. Sound familiar? This is Matthew 5, 5, country. So what does meekness look like in Psalm 37? Well, glance up two verses to verse 9. We read, For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land, verse 9, or verse 11, those who are meek will inherit the land. There seems to be a parallel between hoping in God and being meek. They seem to be sort of the same idea in Psalm 37. To be a meek person is to be a person who puts their hope not on themselves or on other people or on other things, but on God himself. The meek person is the one who hopes in the Lord, who trusts that he will deliver on his promises. Look at how verse 7, back over the page, puts it. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. I think that, too, is a picture of meekness. It is an attitude towards God which says, I will wait patiently for you. I will put my hope in you. I will trust that you are strong to care, strong to deliver. Whatever the circumstances, whatever is happening in our lives, the meek person looks to God. Meekness is an attitude towards God. I heard an interview this week with Sir Robin Knox Johnston, who was the first person to sail around the world unaided um, without stopping. And he was being interviewed about a, a new initiative he has, which is to kind of replicate that race using novices in a load of boats. Here's a picture of the kind of boat they're in. And the idea is to get lots of people who have never sailed before and to put them into a load of boats and to send them off across the world on this that non-stop voyage. Sounds pretty scary. Can you imagine crossing the Pacific Ocean, being an utter novice, having no idea how to sail a boat in all the storms and the waves. But he then added that it's, it's okay because in each boat they put a professional skipper, someone who knows what they're doing, someone who's been across the ocean, someone who can manage a boat and manage others on the boat. And because there is a professional skipper on board... The novices can survive. They can get through the journey. They can survive going across the ocean. But of course, on the boat, everyone knows who's the novice and who is the professional skipper. The novice doesn't try to take over from the professional skipper and run the show themselves. No, they, they're meek and they follow the orders of the skipper. And it struck me that that is a picture of what God is like for those who are meek. He is the expert who knows what he is doing in our lives. He is the one who knows how to get across the storms and the surprises in life. And the meek person knows that in the Lord they have found someone who is wiser and more qualified and better equipped to run their lives than they are. They are someone who decides to put their hope, their future into the Lord's hands and not to keep it in their own hands. Which means, with the psalmist, the meek person is able to wait patiently on the Lord. They are able not to fret. And of course, this is not always easy, for often storms will come in our lives. In my second year at Bible college, I became ill with glandular fever. It was an incredibly embarrassing bug to catch, as an unmarried man at Bible College because the other name for glandular fever is the kissing disease. Um, to this day, I have no idea how I, I caught it, seriously. Uh, maybe taking part in some of Pete's uh, mug-swapping uh, endeavors. But I got glandular fever. There I was. And I got it quite badly. In fact, for about two months, I was basically in bed. I couldn't really do anything. I was completely wiped out. And it was right in the middle of term. I, I missed loads of essays and classes. I missed deadlines. I missed key meetings about uh, courses in the future. And I can remember very clearly lying in bed uh, saying to God, God, I don't deserve this. Here I am at Bible college. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to serve you. you know, I'm giving my life to you. And in response, you've given me glandular fever. You've given me all the mocking from my friends And I'm missing out on the education. I'm not being equipped for service. And what good is it for me to be lying here in bed? I was annoyed at times with God. I thought I knew better how to run my life than God knew how to run it. I was, if you like, fretting, in the words of the psalmist. And not, I think, an example of meekness. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not saying that we should be stoics who go around in life ignoring pain. Think back to verse 4 of Matthew 5. Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn. No, we are allowed to mourn. It is right and good to mourn in this life. But as we mourn in grief, so we must also be meek before the Lord. We may not always have the answers or the immediate comfort. But we need to be able to put our lives into the hands of the one who has answers and wisdom. Meekness is an attitude towards God. And so far from being a position of weakness, a meek person who recognizes that God has infinitely more resources and power and wisdom than they do, this person is a person of strength. For this person is not thrown around by the storms of life. They are not completely undone by what happens next. This person knows that God has a story, a plan for their lives, which ends with Matthew 5, verse 5, inheriting the earth. Meekness is an attitude towards God. Second, it is an attitude towards others. Um, I came across this uh, card in the shops recently. I don't know if you can flick it up on the screen. I don't know if you can read that. It says, I used to be an atheist until I realized I was God. Obviously, it's a joke. It's not meant to be taken very seriously. But with all the best jokes, there's always a little grain of truth inside the joke. And people wouldn't actually say this to one another, even to themselves, I'm sure, but uh, there is a tendency in the human heart to push God away from our lives, to forget about him, to think of ourselves as the one who is in charge of our lives, to to think that we are the center of our universe, to think that we are the one who calls the shots, who decides what is right and wrong, who has to push themselves forward in life. And do you see what happens if if we kind of adopt that kind of mindset to life, that that, that in a sense we are the gods of our lives? Then, yes, we think that we're free. We're free from someone else's uh, control. But at the same time, we are cutting ourselves free from the one who can look after us and keep us through the storms, who has a plan for us, We are letting go of the security of knowing there is someone wise and powerful looking after us. And so in the context where someone pushes God away and becomes their own center of the universe, that person is going to find it very hard to be meek to others. That person is going to find it very hard not to always have the final word. They're going to find it very hard not to always be seen to be right. They're going to find it very hard when people get in their way and block their plans because they have to be right. They have to succeed because they're the ones who are looking after themselves and no one else is. There is no safety net. There is no other person who has a hand on the till of their lives apart from them. And you see, when we lose the vertical axis to our meekness, when we stop trusting in God and putting him at the center, we lose that security, that hope in our lives. We become people who are very inflexible who find it very hard to let the other, other person win, who, who finds it very hard not to have the final say in any argument, because we have to win. Our future depends on it. We have no other option. But the psalmist says, put your hope in the Lord, not yourself. Look at verse 8 of Psalm 37. David says, refrain from anger, and turn from wrath do not fret it leads only to evil in other words don't try to sort out everything yourself don't feel like you have to sort out everyone else and respond with anger or aggression don't don't fret and worry about other people no instead verse 9 be confident that god will sort things out Put your hope not in yourself and in your words, but in God and in his ways. And in that position, find the strength to be meek and humble and other person-centered. One great example of meekness in the Bible is Abraham. If you think back to the story of Abraham, where Abraham is with Lot and they have two large flocks of, of animals. But the problem is that the grazing space is becoming very tight. There's not enough space for everyone to fit in. And the, the shepherds are starting to fight over who gets to graze where. And Abraham says, right, okay, this isn't working out. Let, let, let's have a meeting. And he says to Lot, Lot, look, look, why don't you go off and why don't you find the place that you prefer most to graze? Uh, you have the first pick and whatever place you leave, I, I'll go there instead. But, but Lot, you, you take the first, you take the best grazing pasture for your sheep. And so Lot does. And that is meekness from Abraham. That is someone who isn't standing on his rights as the older person who might expect to get the best pick. He's not putting himself at the center. He's saying to Lot, Lot, I'm more concerned about your needs than my needs. I will let you go and have first first pick, and I will find somewhere to fit in. And how could Abraham be like that? How could he extend such kindness to Lot? Well, he had met the Lord. And he was putting his hope in the Lord's promises. He knew God had said to him, I will bless you. I will bless your offspring. I will make you into a great nation. And so Abraham knew he didn't have to fret. He didn't have to sort of bully others to get God's way. No, he could be strong enough To let others go first. Of course the ultimate example of meekness in the Bible is Jesus. In that famous hymn in Philippians 2 we read. That Jesus who being in the very nature God. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But made himself nothing. And he did this for our sakes. This is not weakness. This is not some spineless uh, action. No, it is a decision of incredible strength that Jesus made. He chose to serve. He chose to take on the frailty of the human nature. He chose to go the way of suffering on the cross. This is meekness. This is biblical meekness. Utter strength, controlled and channeled for the sake of and blessing of others this is the meekness jesus calls us to as a church we are called to be willing to put the needs of others before ourselves we are called to be willing to not have the final word in a difficult discussion we are called not to stand up for our rights or to push ourselves forward Not because we are weak or spineless or helpless, but because we are in fact strong, strong in the Lord, confident in his promises and purposes in our lives, able to put others first because we know that we have a captain standing over and above our lives who will steer us through the storms of life, who will bring us safely home to our inheritance of the new creation. Jesus says, Blessed are the weak, for they will inherit the earth. This is a massively countercultural thing to say and to believe. We can only do it if we have first found our strength in Jesus Christ. And we can only do it if we fix our faces on the future he promises us, that inheritance of the new earth. Let's pray. Father, we so often feel weak in this world. We feel like we're caught in the storm. We feel like we have to simply survive to get through life, to look after our immediate concerns and needs. And I pray tonight that you help us to refresh ourselves afresh in the hope we have in Christ, that we may be strong and not weak, and therefore able to serve others to put their needs before our own. And we pray this, that you may be glorified. Amen.